preach, there's a word up there. <laughs> it's interesting. Um, some of you might remember from your Sunday school days the story of Joseph. And uh, rather than read 10 chapters of Genesis for the story this morning, um, I apologise it's a child version, but it's the shortest and the best one I could find. Once you do, watch the screen. It goes for three minutes, I think. And it just tells the story of Joseph. And for us to gain um, what God has given me this morning, we have to kind of understand or know the story of Joseph. So please watch the screen. God's story, Joseph. So part of God's story is about a guy named Joseph, and it begins like this. Once there was a guy named Joseph who had ten older brothers and one younger one. When Joe was a boy, he was his dad's favorite. In fact, his dad liked him so much better than his brothers that he gave Joe a special gift to prove it. You can imagine this made his brothers jealous. And Joe only made things worse. He told his brothers about dreams he had where he was ruling over them. Well, this made Joe's brothers furious. One day they were working and saw Joe coming. They said, here comes that dreamer. They threw Joe into a dark pit. They might have left him there forever, but they met some men traveling from Egypt and sold Joe to them as a servant instead. They thought that was slightly nicer than leaving him in a pit. Then they went home and told their father Joe had been killed by a wild animal. This broke their dad's heart. Kids, these brothers were really bad news. Selling a sibling is never a good idea. Ever. But the Bible says the Lord was with Joe. When Joe was a servant, he worked for a really important rich guy named Potiphar. And Potiphar liked Joe so much, he put him in charge of the whole house. Joe was happy until one day he was blamed for something he didn't do. And Potiphar sent him straight to jail. Well, God was still with Joe, even in prison. The guard decided he liked Joe so much, he put him in charge of all the other prisoners. Then God gave Joe special knowledge about dreams. When two prisoners had dreams, Joe knew what they meant, so he told them. Two years later, Egypt's ruler called Pharaoh had a dream, and nobody knew what it meant. But by now, one of the two prisoners Joe had helped was out of jail and working for Pharaoh. He told Pharaoh about Joe, and God helped Joe figure out what Pharaoh's dream meant. But Pharaoh's dream was really more of a nightmare. It meant that everybody in Egypt would have food for seven years and be hungry for seven years. Joe told Pharaoh the only way to survive was to store food during the seven good years. Well, Pharaoh thought Joe's idea was brilliant. He put him in charge. During the seven hungry years, nobody could eat without getting food from Joe. He was like a human vending machine. Well, remember how Joe had 11 brothers? Like everybody else, they had to get food from Joe. And when they came, they didn't even recognize their brother. But Joe knew who they were. He secretly tested them to see if they changed. After all, they did throw him in a pit and sell him. Finally, he couldn't hide who he was from his brothers anymore. He told everyone to leave the room because he was about to cry. After sobbing for a few minutes, he told them, I'm your brother, Joseph. I'm the one you sold. The brothers couldn't believe it. They had hurt Joe. But God had taken care of him during the good times and the bad. Even with everything they had done to Joe, he forgave them because he was willing to follow God, even when it was hard. Joe told them, you planned to harm me, but God planned it for good. And God used Joe to save many lives, including the family that was part of God's special rescue plan. And that's the story of Joseph. So in case you missed it, here's the quick version. 
Joe was his dad's favorite. His brother sold him. Potiphar put Joe in charge. Joe was sent to jail. The guard put Joe in charge. Pharaoh had a bad dream. Joe told him what it meant. Pharaoh put Joe in charge. Joe's brothers had to come to him for food. Joe forgave them. This was part of God's rescue plan. And that's a part of God's story. Okay, now we're all on the same page. <laughs> you know, sometimes I learn more from <laughs> from those kids' things and things that the the um, when you a kid in Sunday school, you don't you really get all the detail. Um, and it's interesting to go back and read the stories over and over again. Well, by now you know I love um, stories in the Bible, and I love the Old Testament ones as much as the New Testament ones. And um, this is this is a story that. Um, comes under the title of why does bad things happen to good people and where is God where is God where is God in the big picture and this morning as we look at the story of Joseph we need to understand the the Israelite history so Abraham had a son Isaac Isaac had a son Jacob and Joseph is one of Jacob's uh, sons. Now he loved him more than the others because Joseph was the son of the wife that he wanted all along but he got tricked into marrying her sister and so he had to uh, live with her for seven years before and work on his father-in-law's farm before he could get the real woman he loved. And Joseph was the son of the real woman he loved. So don't judge Jacob too much. He'd had a hard run too. <laughs> but that's why he loved um, Joseph, perhaps more than the other brothers. But of course, it's a very dysfunctional family. I guess you got that by now. <laughs> it's a dysfunctional family. And Joseph was young and immature and you might have noticed that his dream of the brothers kneeling down to him became true by the time they got to Egypt. But Joseph was immature and he was lording it over them so I can understand why the brothers reacted. It's just human nature. So that's all the background to the story. But I want to take us just to that picture where you saw Joseph actually crying. Because his brothers have come to, from um, Canaan to Egypt to get food because there is famine. Now it was part of God's plan that Joseph was in Egypt. Now of course when he's in that pit and he's being sold as a slave and he gets accused of sleeping with Potiphar's wife. Interesting story about that. The last time um, I went on a kid's camp, my son was with me. He had to play Joseph and I had to play Potiphar's wife. Awkward is an understatement. I've never forgotten that and I've never done it again. <laughs> it was a great way of getting back at my son. Anyway, um, so Joseph was innocent really of anything that happened to him. But God, excuse me, God was never out of the picture. Every time something bad happened to him, God had a counter plan. He ended up being in charge. Now to have a Hebrew or an Israelite in a leadership position in Egypt was absolutely phenomenal. 
they were arch enemies. In fact, when that Pharaoh died and Joseph had died, um, you know the story that the Israelites ended up becoming the slaves of the Egyptians and then that's when Moses was sent to rescue them. So this is an absolute God thing that Joseph has found favour with this Pharaoh and has been raised to the position of second in charge of the whole land in uh, being a human food vending machine. I love it. <laughs> and so this is why his brothers end up coming to Egypt because the land, the whole land is in famine and the only place to find food is in Egypt. And it's interesting that they don't recognise Joseph. Joseph was um, a lad um, when they put him down the well, or whatever they did to him, and he was 30 by the time that they came to Egypt. So they obviously, and obviously they thought um, nothing of it. But they didn't recognise him. You know, I, I love Joseph's response. This is the response that he made. And can we have the first verse that's in Genesis, please? It's... Um, towards the end of Genesis and the brothers are standing sorry I'll get out of the way the brothers are standing in front of him and they think that now that their father has died Joseph is going to get revenge on them but Joseph says don't be afraid do I act for God don't you see you planned evil against me but God used those plans same plans for my good as you are all around you right now, life for many people. Don't you see, you planned evil against me, but God used those same plans for my good. God used those plans for my good. God had a plan that the Israelites would be his people. That was the whole big plan. And Joseph was part of that plan. And being able to feed the Israelites was part of that plan. And so even though Joseph had a really rough, rocky road, he ended up being in exactly the right place at the right time to help God's people. So even though the brothers had evil plans for him, God used those same plans and made something good out of it. Now I want to take you to the next verse that's in Proverbs. And uh, this is one of my uh, favourite verses in the message. And that's not the verse, so I'll read it to you. It's in Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. And it says this, Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do. Everywhere you go, he's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume you know it all. And I love those verses because, you know what, Joseph could have questioned God. A million times in that story of his. Why am I down this well? Why am I being sold as a slave? Hello, I didn't even touch Potiphar's wife and he's in jail. But God also gave him a gift and his gift was his escape ticket. 
because it was his gift that gave him the job with Pharaoh. And so some advice for us today, because that was a story that happened a very long time ago. I want us to end doubt today. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. And here it is for us human beings who are fix-it upperers and have to have it all our own way and have to answer all our own questions and have to do it all our own way. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. There wouldn't be a person in this room who hasn't done it. Because we just naturally do it. We've got to work everything out. We've got to answer all the questions. We've got to figure out people. We've got to fix them up. Or we've got to sort out this situation. But God says to us, trust me. Trust me. Don't try to figure out it, it on your own. Look for God's guidance in everything. And he will keep you in track. The greatest mistake we can make as human beings is to think we know it all. Because guess what? We know an inch and God knows a million, million, billion kilometres. I want you to think of the picture of a tapestry or an embroidery. If you look on the back of it, you just see the knots where the wool has been joined or where the knot in the cotton has been on the back of embroidery. And uh, nobody hangs a tapestry reverse side around. Nobody just hangs the knots. Nobody just hangs the knots behind this, the embroidery or the sewing. And you know what? I want to get one and hang it round the other way. You know why? Because it's always the knots that I look at. It's always the knots I look at in my life. I never see the big picture. Some people can, but I'm not one of them. Whenever something happens, I see the knots. I see the hard bits. I see the difficulties. But you know what? In God's view, it's always the front side of the picture. He's got the beginning from the end. He's got the whole picture finished. And he is working through his plans that he has made. That's why we can't know it all because we don't know what the plans are and we don't know what the big picture is and that is why we have to trust him because he's the only one who knows the big picture. You know what? It's not all about us. And I learnt that uh, through my mother's death a few years ago that it's not all about me. There is so much more that God is working. I am just a part of his massive, big plan. And since we've been talking about promises this morning, I want to take you to a promise that Paul wrote in the book of Romans. Do we have that one? No, the next one after that. <laughs> Thank you. There we go. Okay, so this is in Romans 8.28. I'm sure you'll know it in the uh, old version, but this is in the message. It's talking about the context is prayer. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, who gets tired 
in the waiting for God to show us what the plans are. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying, praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. Have we got another verse? Maybe? Yes. Here it is. He knows us far better than we know ourselves. He knows our pregnant condition. Don't get worried, guys. Pregnant in that, in that context means the waiting. Okay? He knows our waiting condition and keeps us present before God. Here it is. Here's the promise. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. You want a promise today? There it is. Paul's promise to us. We can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. In the old version, all things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to his purpose, if you need that version. All things, every single knot, every single thread, every single being thrown down the well or in prison or accused of doing things that we haven't done, every single thing is worked into God's plan when we end doubt and we trust him. You see, it's not about questioning whether God is up to something good. It's about what we're looking at. We can decide to look at what's not happening and the knots, or we can decide to look at what God is doing. See, the problem isn't God at all. The problem is what we're looking at. The problem is us. Because God does not change his master plan. He uses all the stuff in between to bring about good for us, but good for his purposes. You know what? That brings me such incredible strength to know I'm not alone in this. I'm not like a, a lone jigsaw puzzle piece that's been thrown on the floor and forgotten about so that the puzzle is never complete. I'm just one little piece that God puts in the picture and all of us become pieces that God puts in the picture. Now maybe in our lifetime we don't see the fruition of the whole picture. Joseph died when he was 130. He never got to go uh, to leave Egypt and to enter the promised land that God had promised to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and the Israelites. But he was a huge part in the big picture God had to free his people, to take them to a land that would be theirs and to make them the people that would show the rest of the world that God was real. And you know what, I kind of think that's a lot of the purpose of some of the stuff we each go through. That through our knots and our hard times, God gets the glory 
when other people see that we trust God. So my question this morning, what are you looking at? What are you looking at in your life? Are you looking at all the knots? Are you looking at all the stuff that's going wrong? If you just keep looking at that, you're going to go under. Because guess what? We don't know it all. If you trust in your own knowledge, you will go under. Do you need to raise your eyes this morning and trust God for the big picture? That whatever is going on in your life, God will make it into something good. I'd like to finish with the song from the movie, uh, Joseph, King of Dreams, which again was a, an animated release, but it's the words of the song sung by David Campbell that says, you know better than I. And you know what? The first time I ever heard that song, um, I've never forgotten that line. And it comes to me at oftentimes when my view is looking back at the knots. You know better than I. <clears throat> if we could listen to that song. I thought I did what's right I thought I had the answers I thought I chose the surest road But that road brought me here So I put up a fight And told you how to help me now just when I have given up, the truth is coming clear. You
wonder if your why questions are holding you back from God. It's hard to let go of needing to know why some things have happened. Or maybe the first, in the first few lines, maybe your specialty is telling God how to help you. Telling God how to fix things. Either way, the answer is surrendering the need to know. Ending the doubt and the control and allowing God to lead and guide you. He knows better than you. He knows better than I. He's working something good. Even, even, even if we can't see it. There's a beautiful, simple chorus that Steve and I love dearly. And we've probably used it more than any other song, chorus in our whole officership. And because it's so simple, but it says it. Something beautiful, something good. All my confusion he understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife. But he made something beautiful of my life. Maybe somewhere in Joseph's story, you've resonated with yourself and go, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Maybe this morning you just want to say, I'm sick of looking at the knots. I'm sick of trying to find the questions. I'm sick of trying to control all this. I surrender to you making something good of my mess. And if that's true for you today, I invite you just to do that, to surrender, to bring him your confusion and your mess and then trust him to make something good. We're going to sing that chorus together place of prayer is here if that helps you today to surrender or to give him your questions or to give him all your knots or to give him whatever is tripping you up in your life this morning